mission is about uh, believing in recovery and that it's not just about a recovery from a mental health condition that you have to focus on the whole and and look at wellness and, and look at how some level of physical activity can contribute tremendously for that um, but that many people just need the right kind of companionship in that in that sense to to make it work Welcome to Chill Track Friday. I'm Anne. I'm Ali. Hi. We're so glad you're with us for another episode. Um, Ali, what are we? What kind of coffee are we drinking today? This is Bluestone's Maverick Espresso Blend. Mm, I love Bluestone coffee. Cheers. What's mm. the significance of Bluestone? Did you? Can, can you talk about that real quick for us? For this our is, running yeah, group. Yeah, Bluestone coffee. Um, so when we used to work out up at Engineers Gate, there's a church across the street and there's a little cafe next to the church and it's a Bluestone Cafe and it's Australian. It's an Australian coffee company. And um, it's funny because they are the first place that had the barista style almond milk. And then they were one of the first places in New York to have oat milk. So I've always really loved them and their coffee is really good. It's very rich and robust. So you guys used to meet there, or after the workout, you'd go there all the time? Yeah, Tuesdays. Or every Tuesday. Yeah. Started out just one of us, two of us, Their food four menu of us. is really good, too. What's that? Their food menu is really good, too. The food is really good. And it's something, something interesting. Um, so there's like a big debate between Australians and people from New Zealand who invented the flat white. And if you ask an Australian, they'll say that it was Australia. And if you ask a person from New Zealand, they'll say New Zealand. So... They have flat flat whites on their menu, and it's a certain way of creaming the milk with the espresso. It's really creamy. So who, who wins? That is that fight still going on? I'm gonna say Australia. <laughs> I know where my bread is buttered. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited about today's episode. Maybe the excitement is a bit self-serving because we have a very special guest and. We all have people who are involved in our running journey and some involved more so than others, but the, we all have one or two that kicked us off and they're always going to be there. They're going to be that, that special person that started the running journey for you and made you kind of where you, you know, you, you, you're, they're, they're always going to hold a special place in your heart. And we have someone who's like that for you. And I'm, I'm just so excited to have him on. Who is this? Yeah, I'm excited as well. This is my good friend, my first running buddy, my running motivator, and I consider him my first coach. Uh, he's an all-around awesome dude, Jim Mutton. Um, we'll just give my little formal introduction as we do. Jim is a social worker, and he works as the director of New York City Operations at Concern for Independent Living. That's a nonprofit organization, and they um, develop and operate supportive housing for people with mental illness or low-income households. Jim is originally from Northampton, England, and he moved to the USA when he was 22. Um, he's run five marathons. I'll let him tell all these stories, but uh, one little cool tidbit is that he used to live in the house that Robert Maplethorpe and Patti Smith lived in in Clinton Hill. It's pretty cool. 
Welcome to Chill Track Friday, Jim. Thanks for joining us. I'm so happy to have you on. Cheers, Anne. Jim, I've mentioned you many times on our podcast, and you're, you've been so instrumental to my becoming a runner. And so, first of all, thank you. And you're one of my best friends. So it's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Um, so I guess you've only said hello, so no one can yet tell that you're not from the United States. Where are you from? I am from a town called Northampton in the middle of England. It's it's an old shoemaking town about 65 miles north of London. Nice, cool. And And you were 18 when you moved to New York? I was, no, I I was 22. Oh, 22, okay. I'd finished my undergrad at uh, Kingston Poly, and then I headed here with $500 in a suitcase, were there running shoes in that suitcase? I had uh, three changes of clothes, a <laughs> bunch of uh, cash. <laughs> I spent it all on uh, Captain Crunch in the first week. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that why you're called Captain? <laughs> That's a whole nother story. <laughs> Different podcast? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, were you, just to sort of give a little athletic background, were you a runner before you came to the States? Not at all. Mm-hmm. No, no. I'd done a bit of cross-country stuff in, in grammar school, but no. This came in my 40s. Oh, wow. Your 40s. Yeah. yeah. So we're similar that way then. Now, your father is quite an athlete. And is that sort of how you got into running? Was it through your father? Completely, yeah. yeah. He was my inspiration. Yeah. Um, so the short and sweet story is he, w- he was a high school art professor his entire life, and he retired at uh, the age of 60 and uh, just took up running. And he, he read this study that said school teachers in the UK, after they retire, their life expectancy is less than five years. I mean, people essentially drop like flies after teaching their whole lives. And he realized he had to do something about it. So he he took up running and from the age of 61, I think, to 72, he he ran 11 marathons. And uh, I would go and see him run all over the world, Paris, Rome, uh, he ran in New York right after uh, 9-11, which was very, very moving. Um, but I, I'll never forget, it was 2009, and he, he ran the Vienna uh, Marathon, and I was there with my brother, and we were standing around with a beer and our bellies out to nowhere, and <laughs> we were looking at ourselves, <laughs> say, this is ridiculous, our, our dad is 72, and <laughs> here he is. We have to do something about this. So we all shook hands and we said, in a year, we're all going to run a marathon together. Uh, so literally, my brother and I, we didn't know how, how to run and we had to start from scratch. And uh, it was a, a trying year, uh, but we did it and we all signed up for the Chicago uh, Marathon, which was a... Uh, what we thought was going to be a, a flat and fairly moderate climate type of race. 
and it was a monumental date as well as 10 10 10 was the calendar date uh, so we all got training and uh, uh, a couple months before uh, the marathon my dad got diagnosed with a, a heart condition atrial fibrillation uh, which apparently can be brought on by excessive running the the irony there you know mm. so he was gutted he had to pull out of the race he, he couldn't do it but he came to Chicago anyway and it was my brother and I and my brother's now wife we all ran and that was our first race um, turned out it was 86 degrees and blazing sunshine that day mm. so it was a challenging race but we finished it and uh, that was kind of the beginning of it all. That's so inspiring. I didn't realize that you and Tom both started running at the same time, right from that handshake. That's really incredible. Yes. So uh, I've done five marathons and since that time, and uh, my brother and in his infinite wisdom uh, had sort of a midlife crisis and decided he needed to run as many, as many marathons as he could uh, and he's actually done 54. <laughs> the same amount of time. <laughs> in, including a couple of sort of 24-hour races and overnight deals. And he, he got to the point where he'd, he would do a couple in one weekend. He would find a race in the middle of the country and run on Saturday and go back and do the same thing on Sunday. I remember when you were training for the Chicago Marathon. I, we had been friends. I mean, I moved to the States in 2000, the end of 2005 and met you kind of immediately yep. through your cousin, Mark, That's right. who's best friends with one of my very good friends in London. So friends around the world, which is really nice. And I remember in 2010, you were such the aberration amongst our friends going out to run. We were like, what's he doing? <laughs> how many miles? What? Where's this? How long is a marathon? <laughs> so you were... You were really disciplined. I remember that about you. It was really admirable to see. And I remember, I think Mark went with you to Chicago for to he cheer did. you guys on. And I remember how hot it was that day. And you guys finished. Do you remember what your time was in that? Not that it matters, but just curious. Uh, it was, I think, 529. It was rough. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Some walking involved. Yeah, of course. Good for you. And I'm sure you celebrated well at the end. Indeed. Good. And your dad was happy to see you guys he, at the finish line. He was line. chuffed. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there was a part of him that longed to be out there, but yeah. you know, 11 yeah. marathons is not bad for, for the old man. I know, it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring. Um, so then after Chicago, Brighton was next, right? Yes, yes. We uh, went down to the south coast of England and ran that race, and uh, that was wonderful. It was all up and down the coastline, through the town, such a lovely place to run. And um, it's so different from a city marathon. So what, was it harder or more challenging having a marathon that was with fewer people and fewer resources, but yet this beautiful surrounding? What was that like, having the difference? The, I think the countryside actually kept keeps you going. Yeah. It's just there's so much to look at. And uh, it's a fair amount of it is an out and back race. You know, you sort of go down one end of the coast, turn around and come back. But it's it, there's just nothing like it you know and the weather was idyllic and um uh, i remember i got uh, some blisters on the bottom of my shoe 
uh, under my foot. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it, it was pretty brutal, but, mm. you know, the, the scenery out, outlasted the pain. That's a nice way to put it. Can I take you back yeah. for a second? Um, <laughs> I love how you always take us back. It's really nice. Um, there are two things I, w- I want to take you back to. Let, let's go to your dad for a second again. I, I'm fascinated by that. and It's so inspiring and amazing to hear. Um, his first of all his decision why he chose to run I am part of my motivation is similar being from the South Asian diaspora like mm. everybody on my dad's side have been has been dealing with heart disease so that's part of my thing to keep going always um, but and said like when you were training you were the only anomaly in the group of friends or <laughs> like what is he doing <laughs> like yeah. what when your dad started training, obviously it was the Vienna Marathon where you guys were standing there with beers and were like, okay, we got to do this. Like, we got to do something about this and change it. But before that, obviously your dad was going through the training cycles of running and all of that. What was that, what was that like? Like, did it happen to you? What, like, yeah. Anne is talking about you? Like, where is he going? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Any funny stories from that, if you remember? Well, he... He was very much a lone runner. I mean, in Northampton, I mean, there there were running clubs, but he, he was kind of the guy that liked to do it himself. So he would just run around the town and go into the countryside. He, he ran a lot of races that were just out in the middle of nowhere uh, across country. And it was a similar process for me, kind of a parallel process. I, I was living in Fort Greene at the time and I would start running down by the Navy Yard and this was pre a lot of gentrification in in Fort Greene and Mm -hmm. Clinton Hill and just wastelands and you know so I'd run around Kent Avenue up into Greenpoint and also down into Dumbo and, and around and I just started exploring these routes by myself and I it's very much a, a lone runner um, until I sort of did some training with Anne. Um, but I, I actually do like running by myself. And um, so I, I kind of felt like that I went through a, a parallel experience that my dad probably did when he was doing all of that by himself. Uh, we did a couple of runs together uh, before he got sick, which, which was fantastic. He, he'd sort of take me out on his his local routes uh so push me a little bit that was always fun that's pretty cool second the second part i want to take you back to this was also fascinating you said you had like when you moved to the u.s you had this one suitcase with a bunch of bunch of your belongings what was the motivation behind the move and that you know picking up and leaving with just that much and coming here yeah so it was partially career motivated. I, I, my undergrad had been in development studies and uh, I had met this guy who uh, worked for the United Way of New York City. And it was one of those stories where somebody promised you a job and you show up with a suitcase and there's no job. <laughs> I really that. wanted to work for the UN uh, and I also came chasing a, a girlfriend who had moved, who had lived with in London, who moved back to New York. Uh, but I, I ended up uh, 
doing some very sort of social work related uh, jobs. I, I had a, a volunteer job uh, rehabbing abandoned buildings in the Lower East Side down in Alphabet City. And uh, I work with this homesteaders group who were renovating an old shooting gallery uh, where folks used to go to score heroin. And it was a bunch of people who essentially the deal was if you put in so many hours of of manual labor, you would qualify for a, a reduced rent. And uh, I never forget, I had this tremendous fear of heights. And the first day on the job there, they had me up on the sixth floor, standing on these rafters with a sledgehammer knocking down a chimney. Mm. I soon got over my fear of heights very quickly there. Um, But my career kind of transformed into social work interests. I would go on a lot of job interviews and Admittedly, I had a tourist visa at the time. Back then, you could get a six-month tourist visa. And uh, I would go for jobs. And uh, folks would be like, well, we're, we're ready to hire you. Can you start next week? And I would have to say, well, actually, I need you to sponsor me for a work visa. And it's going to take a month and a half. And it was very, very tough. And I'll, I'll never forget... Uh, I had this cash job uh, watering plants in office buildings where I wear this big uh, bright green uniform and walk around the the city with watering can and a feather duster. And I went for this job uh, uh, at a drop-in center for homeless women. Uh, it was a case manager job and somehow I convinced them to, to give it a go and to, to hire me and sponsor me for a visa so I'd show up in my plant watering outfit and quickly change and start counseling homeless women in this old uh, fur factory which was just a big long room in Midtown where there were 60 or 70 homeless women on chairs Wow and you've been doing this kind of work since you've been here it's really amazing Yeah I've been a social worker ever since by, by trade and and clinician heart. for many years now I'm more in the administrative side of things you know actually working with uh, architects and funders and to start buildings design buildings and you know find people to live in them and and work in them but it, it's been quite a quite a transgression yeah it says a lot about you because first of all it's a huge leap of faith to pick up come here for a job like you said that didn't exist and then be brave enough to you know and have the heart to open yourself up and go into this career where you quite honestly take on a lot um it says a lot about your journey not just from a running perspective and everything mm-hmm. else i know it's funny because when i was telling ali about you before you guys had met it's part of who you are and it's part of your running as well because you are a caretaker and you really helped me with my running and you also have helped my sister with her running and you guide people really gently and it's a quality that's really it's such a beautiful quality and to be able to have that manifest in every outlet of your life is something as a friend it's really beautiful to watch and then to be able to have benefited from it as your training partner when I first started was just it's really wonderful so I just want to acknowledge that because you're you you're a very special soul and it comes across in everything that you do 
and um, you know this is about athletics but it, we're all more than just our athletics completely there's a lot of social workers out there uh, pounding the pavements yeah. I, I think that uh, thank you uh, there's there's a role I think for for being related to people in in both a sort of a a counseling role and a, a helping role that it, it can morph into a a wellness type of activity as well. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of agencies in social work that, that pride themselves on on running and athletics and they, they do a a wonderful job in actually helping disadvantaged populations to also do the same thing. You know, there, there's a group uh, called Odyssey House that uh, do a, a, a 5K race on uh, Randall's Island every year and they they train uh, their clients uh, to learn how to run and they actually have a whole group that runs the New York City Marathon every year and it, it gets bigger and bigger. Uh, so I, th- I think there's a role for for the helping profession in, in this type of sport. Absolutely. It builds so much self-confidence. It's, yep. And that's a, kind of the start of so many of growth in life, I think, is having some self-confidence to then take risks and put yourself out there a little bit. And, you know, yeah. you've definitely facilitated that with so many people. Well, it's, it's my, my mission is about uh, believing in recovery and that it's not just about uh, recovery from a mental health condition that mm-hmm. you have to focus on the whole and, and look at wellness and, and look at how some level of physical activity can contribute tremendously for that uh, but that many people just need the right kind of companionship in that in that sense to to make it work it's true and then it brings up the idea of motivation like it can be really hard everyone is motivated differently some people it's intrinsic some people it's extrinsic how do you get that started especially with people with pro- proclivities to um you know maybe be afraid of that or not sure or haven't experienced the positive sides of exercise like it can be really hard to motivate people to take that first step um we talk a lot about leaps of faith and i remember when you were encouraging me to run i was kind of like oh (laughs) and then it was just like instant oh my god this is amazing okay so the big one was your next marathon you were in for new york city in 2012 which was the year of Hurricane Sandy. Yes. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, I, it was such a divisive moment in New York City, which is unusual because usually the marathon really brings people together. And you had mentioned 9-11, like particularly that year. Um, so, you know, Bloomberg had kept, they had decided to keep the race on and then they canceled it, I think, the day before. Is that right? The, the night before, the night before. I think. Good. So what was that like during that week as someone that had done, you know, 12, 16 weeks of training and then having the news keep changing? And Yeah, that that was the first marathon that I did a lot of training for. And uh, I, well, I I would tend to train by myself. I I did a lot of long runs. I did a 22 miler and I was ready more than I'd ever been. Um, And to, to see that, whole calamity with the uh, the superstorm coming in and the frustrating part for me was just 
the the lateness of the the, the cancellation. I mean, I went to the the expo to get my bib, and it was later that night that they they called it. Um, it's extremely frustrating and and raises a lot of mixed feelings at the, at the time. And I, I kept thinking of all the people that had come from overseas to and had booked, you know, travel and accommodation. And, um, but quickly I, I started to think about the impact of what was going on and how how disastrous the the storm surge was was and was still to be. Um, I had a friend, uh, Jen, who uh, lived on Staten Island and uh, had become a big runner. Uh, and she was also signed up for that race. Her house was literally picked up by the storm and deposited half a mile down the road. And she lost everything. Uh, it, you know, her entire life was gone in an instant. So I realized that there was there was so much more to this process and that, you know, New York Roadrunners was a huge community, but the running, the worldwide running community, it really needed to come together at that moment um, and rethink uh, the situation. And what ended up happening was that there was a, a huge wave of volunteerism that took place. Uh, runners would spend their time, you know, really helping out with the relief effort. Uh, I myself, I, I spent a night in a shelter where there were uh, elderly patients who had been uh, essentially uh, evicted from their their home in, in Coney Island. Uh, they, they described stories to me that were where there was sand up to the second floor of their building before they got out. They literally had to be rescued and here they were in a in a public school shelter, makeup shelter, and I spent a night doing that, and it it was eye opening. Um, so I think you know we turned what was a a very frustrating moment in, into something ho- so humbling. Uh, ultimately, it, it was the right thing to do, and um, there was no way it could have happened in, in the way that it did. What I did was I felt that you know I, I just couldn't leave it here and uh, I had to run a race because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was ready and yeah. weeks were clicking by so I, I signed up uh, for the Philadelphia marathon um, which was a number of weeks later and they had a they did a special uh, entry for New York City marathon runners and they, it was a special lottery so mm. I threw my hat in the ring of that and, and got in. Uh, and that was a wonderful moment to, to run Philly. It was actually my best race. Um, and there was a, despite it being Philadelphia, there was a lot of emotion and support for New York. Uh, people were really out on the streets cheering the, the New York City runners. Mm-hmm. I, I wore my orange New York City marathon long sleeve and everywhere you went, people were were cheering for you, which was wonderful. I think, didn't New York Roadrunners give people that had missed that year opportunity to take a spot in either 13, 14, or 15? Is that yeah. how it yeah. worked? You, and this, you had a plus one, so to speak. Okay, so you took, did you take 13? 
Uh, around the around the following year, yes. Okay. I remember cheering for you. I mean, part of me listening to the encouragement from you was being inspired by watching people in the marathon and then watching you, someone I know, run that marathon. I was like, yes, definitely want to do this. And I remember I saw you on uh, Lafayette. I was standing there yeah. with Mark and uh, you looked so happy. <laughs> you looked so happy. It's just that you were in your zone and you were in your flow and you looked yeah. so happy. And I thought, wow, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. It was actually a, a kind of a life-changing period for me because I developed this uh, asthma condition, uh, exercise-related asthma, completely out of the blue. And uh, it really freaked me out because I, I would go on runs and I would come home and get in the shower and then all of a sudden I would be gasping for, for breath and... Uh, never had asthma in my life didn't know what was going on and uh, finally went to the doctor and they said yeah you have some type of exercise induced asthma so at the time I was going through a whole protocol of trying to figure out how to run with with that breathing condition and for anybody who who experiences this I mean it's really I liken it to running on one lung Mm. Uh, it's like almost like you're breathing through a straw, and for a runner, where you you sort of you, the focus is really on building your lung capacity, it it's a tremendous challenge, and it it it, it changes your whole outlook on on running and and how you do it. You you be, become much more focused on trying to relax first and foremost, um, and uh, not to panic. Mm. Uh, you know, there's so many uh, elements that you have to be aware of on top of, you know, your regular sort of fitness uh, techniques. So that that race was a, it was a big accomplishment to me to just be able to master my condition, my new condition at the time, um, and figure that out and run so far. Yeah, I mean. The mental strength to be able to relax when you're having a hard time breathing sounds really scary and challenging. Yeah. Unfortunately, it hasn't gotten much better. Yeah. It's It's been a challenge for me, and it's a frustrating one. Uh, so I'm not able to run the way I'd like to um, and do the kind of races that I would like to do. Uh, it's an ongoing experiment Yeah. with breathing. Um, I think there's certainly... A, an allergy-based component to asthma that um, you have to delve into and figure out. You know, I, I learned that I was highly allergic to grass pollen, which, as you know, <laughs> New York. <laughs> if, if you're Central running around Park. town, that's oh, that's man. a big one. Yeah. Um, so just being aware of that. What triggered you? And this is related to Anne. What triggered you to tell her, like, you should run? Because obviously there was a point where she was like, where is Jim going? He's running, like, <laughs> how many miles? So what, you know, what, what transpired and what made you think to tell her to do that? And thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. I, I, I think I recall I told you to do a loop at Prospect Park, right? That that was the, the mental challenge of if you can get around that three and a quarter mile loop that you're going to just feel so good about yourself. And at the time, you 
psychologically you you needed a boost um and it was simply a case of just just let yourself go you know just put on whatever old trainers you mm-hmm. have and and go for it yeah. i mean i i was very much a an old school sort of style runner i i didn't have a lot of uh, fitness gear i mean i on cold runs i would take old socks and cut them off and wear them as gloves i, I ran in like the uh Manhattan half one year in the snow like six inches of snow with these socks as gloves <laughs> so I, I it wasn't it wasn't like I really cared about what you look like or, yeah. or how stupid you looked out there it was just a case of going for it and there was something in just doing that simple exercise obviously it wasn't simple to pick up and go but uh, you did it and yeah. you know the there was no looking back after that, I guess. I know, it's true. And hearing you recount your side of the story is really wonderful because I'll never forget how excited you were for me when I was like, I just ran and I had done another run. So you're kind of, I consider you my first coach. And I loved, you just talked about it. I love how simple you made it. I remember you you used the Nike watch for years. I had bought like the most elaborate watch and you were just like oh I use this and the pods in my shoe (laughs) and it worked and you um you really taught me to keep things simple and it's really just about feeling good and let's go a little bit further I mean I consider you a real endurance person a real endurance runner which is why I'm I you know I feel terrible about your your asthma situation because I know how much it's keeping you back um but you really taught me about the relaxing. I mean, I basically was your sidekick for all of 2012 and 13 and 14. <laughs> we like if you look us up in Roadrunners, our times are all the same because we ran together and you you helped me. My, fir- my first half marathon was Brooklyn. And I remember I was terrified. I don't know if you know how afraid I was, but I was oh, terrified. I, <laughs> I was terrified. I really I thought I was going to die. I've had this like weird thing where I always thought that I would die of a heart attack. So when I started running, it was. It was weird to really experience the physiological changes that were going on in my body. Like, I, and I speak specifically about my heart. I can remember falling asleep and like feeling my heart beating harder, which just means it's getting stronger. But it was scary to me. And getting used to that and just having you with me and saying, okay, this is the time to take Gatorade and this is the time to take water. You taught me how to run a race. You taught me how to run a race. And, and didn't you forget your uh, shoe yes. tag that year? <laughs> yep. But luckily you did not. <laughs> I just remember how disciplined you were to listen to me at that time because I, I was technically a pacer. Yeah. And there was a part of you that I think just wanted to bust out of the gate. <laughs> Back then away. or you're talking about still now? I'm, I'm confused about that part. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you were like, slow down, Anne, slow down. We got a long way to go. <laughs> I think as soon as we'd done the loop of the park, you were ready to sprint to the finish. And, yes. you know, there was probably some foresight there of what was to come. <laughs> uh, but I'll never forget there was a young lady behind us uh, who came up to you at the end of the race and said, thank you. you I, I followed you for the entire yeah. last half of the race and you were able to, to pace me and keep me to, to what I needed to be at and keep me going. and. Did you I, turn to Jim and be like, actually, 
I know. I think I so. I could have ruined your race if it wasn't for it. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that was the first time I realized that this is not a solo sport. Right. It blew my mind when she said that to me. I thought, what? Yeah. Because I was so consumed with not dying and yeah. sticking with you and listening to what you were telling me to then have someone to realize that someone had shared in our experience meant so much. I remember we high-fived every mile. That's right. We still do that. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. And then you did the same thing for my sister in 2016, Allison. Yeah. And she said the same thing about your, the experience afterwards, just that you helped calm her down and she learned so much. And I look at those photos of her and you at the finish line and she looks so happy and so yeah. do you. And you're, you're such a good mentor. You're, you're a coach at heart. <laughs> It's so inspiring to hear because it's I love your purist approach and that, you know, like all the skin deep stuff is out of it. Like you are there to experience this and push just a little bit further each time. And that's what matters to you. And then it doesn't end there for you. You want to parlay that, like give it to someone else and teach that to someone else. That's just incredible. Like bringing people along and leaving all kind of the extraneous stuff to the side, yeah. which actually we get carried away with all the time. Yeah. And it can be so distracting. Yeah. You really are a purist. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the 2015 New York City Marathon because this is, it was a really fun experience because we trained together and you got your brother Tom to come to New York to run. That's so right. we had these three parallel training cycles going on. Well, maybe two. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, this leads me to one of my favorite runs. So this was my first marathon. I was training for my first marathon with a lot of your guidance and I was using the virtual training program on um, New York Road Runners. And then we were in the same wave. So then Tom comes. He and Debbie came over, his wife Debbie. And Tom's training story was a little bit different. Will you share a little bit about what was going on with Tom? Uh, in terms of his back pain? Yeah. I yeah. Think he... Well, I mean, first and foremost, just do the math right or <laughs> 50 plus marathons and all of that pounding of, of on the streets on his legs on his feet um, yeah, he's quite tall and ultimately on his back uh, he didn't do a lot of uh, other sort of low impact exercise at all so it, it caught up with him and uh, I think he hadn't been able to train that that well because of his back pain and yeah in in his own way he said he's coming over and doing it anyway and <laughs> uh, we were the three amigos we, yeah. we went out there we took the uh, the ferry and the bus got to the uh, starting corrals and at some point uh, once we were over the bridge into Bay Ridge uh, we coming up uh, up the main thoroughfare there we kind of gave you the green light you've done so much practice and training and you you needed to stick to a certain uh certain pace and tom realized pretty quickly that he wasn't going to be able to keep up with you so we kind of told you to go for it yeah he very demonstratively told me to go there yep. was no he, he was go that's amazing if that... you want to have your race you need to go now um so i i've just give you a little snippet of it but essentially we got to the uh, 59th street bridge and that's normally a point where you you conquer that mm -hmm. that overpass and you come down to the roaring crowds and I, I look back at him and he 
he was in agony mm. and I said, well, how, how are you doing? And he said, not good. And clearly his back had given out. And I said, well, you know, this, we, we don't need to do this. You know, it's, you, <laughs> there's nothing to prove here. And I'd already run uh, the marathon there before. Um, but there, there's no saying no to, to Tom Mutton. The funny thing about it was that he had had these T-shirts made up uh, for the both of us. Uh, with uh, They were black with big white bold lettering. And his was uh, Too Tall Tom. He's, a, he's 6'4", mm -hmm. and uh, that's sort of his nickname. And mine was Captain Jim. <laughs> and so, that you know, that that's the kind of... Uh, a motivation that you need for mm -hmm. a race like that people pick up on that in the crowds and they're like hey you're not tall enough tom <laughs> or, captain jim go for it <laughs> go for it and so you know for for most of that first half of the race it was wonderful you're high-fiving everybody but if you can just imagine what it's like once you get you're in agony and you mm -hmm. don't want to hear your name being called anymore and yeah so for the rest of the race, it was a case of trying to ignore the screams <laughs> of too tall Tom. What are you slowing down for? Come on, you're almost there. <laughs> like trying to. Oh my God. Like, can we Do take want... a break and take these shirts off? And... <laughs> yes, seriously. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. I actually lied to him on the, the last loop of where you come into Central Park for that bottom piece of the park. I. I I told him that the finish line was right there. <laughs> and so he gave it a final burst. Oh, no. Oh, man. And uh, it looked at me as like, Where, where's the finish line? <laughs> and, uh, oh my you know, God. sure enough, we had to go around and up, up a little bit of a hill. But Yeah, 59th Street it, in, yeah. on a good day is tough. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I remember meeting up with you guys afterwards. Yeah. And I could not believe the story. I just couldn't believe that yeah. you guys made it. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's... I mean, there are a lot of people that run through back pain, and, you know, there, there are studies out there that say 90% of back pain is psychological anyway, that you can go through countless surgeries and, and uh, treatment techniques uh, that ultimately may never work and just make situations worse. And so there's a... There's good, good uh, information that if you focus on the stress and the emotion that's tied in with those those pains, that you mm -hmm. can you can conquer a lot of it. So he's still at it. Wow, I didn't know about that that the psychological part yeah. of back pain. That's yeah. interesting. So I know that your runs are kind of touch and go at the moment, but you said that you've been running indoors, okay, on the treadmill and stuff. Yeah, I've been doing five Ks on the treadmill and getting to the point where I'm going to venture out again and I uh, threw my name in the hat in the lottery again this year yes. who knows yes <laughs> if if that shows up then that'll give me some more motivation to 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 really uh, hit the pavement some more you know oh that would be amazing oh I would love that I would love that so we usually finish off episodes by doing a training tip have our guests do a training tip for our listeners if you had to say something and it could be you know what drives you what you have used and has been successful because you've, you've touched so many people 
and just just by your work by your what would you what would you say to them so i'll give you two tips for folks who who struggle with with asthma and running uh as i've talked about i, I think it's so important to to relax uh and mm-hmm. focus on on staying calm uh through through any type of training run or race um if it's a cold weather race i I've, what i've found really helpful is to keep your neck area and some people even wear a barrack balaclava uh, on their mouth because it's taking in cold air can be a major trigger for for asthmatic reactions mm-hmm. and then on the long runs i'm a i'm a huge fan of ice baths <laughs> and you know i know not everybody is but if you're doing anything over a half marathon uh, 15 16 miles I insist that you go to the local <laughs> deli and buy yourself two five-pound bags of ice <laughs> and pour yourself a shallow cold water tub and ease yourself in in that, curse your mother, whoever you need to, yeah. and, and spend 10 minutes in, in the tub because it really does uh, help with the recovery time, I think, tremendously. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. I love you so much. So you, we'll have you back again, hopefully Cheers, when we're love training you too. for New York. So, so proud of you. So proud <laughs> of you both. Thanks. You, you guys are epic. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Jim. Cheers. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.